Thank you so much. I want to thank you for your faithfulness in giving. We have offering envelopes that are available. We'll be receiving an offering after we go offline in just a little while. But thank you to all of you out there that are viewing by YouTube and Facebook. You've been very faithful in giving so that all bills here are paid. All bills with our missionaries, all of our support is paid. Uh, we're able to take care of that. Plus, we have seen four complete projects taken on and completed just during COVID-19 times. And so project number five, we are hoping to provide a sound system for uh, missionary Pastor Chris War in Italy with his military ministry there. They're moving into a building. They need a sound system. We'd like to provide it. Now, I don't believe God is broke, do you? And God not only has paid all the bills so that all the ministries can go on, and He's provided for all the missionaries, but He's allowed you to give to four complete projects. You've been paying missionary rent for their buildings. You've been paying medical. You've been paying for technology. You've been paying for vehicles. You've done this all during COVID-19, and I want to thank you and all of you out there. This is going to be for the sound system as they move into a new building. They have to move out of the house where they're meeting into a building. And we like to be the ones to pay for that. So if you would like to use a red envelope over and above your tithes and offerings, you can give to the sound system for Chris Ward, W-A-R. Also, uh, project number six, which is going on simultaneously, is an emergency medical fund. One of our missionaries home from Africa, uh, their child has run up thousands of dollars in medical bills that insurance will not cover, and, uh, and they don't have any resources. And I tell you what, down in the depths of my heart, I would like for us to be the ones to pay those medical bills. We'd like the Lord to pay them through us. Now, how many of you are people of faith? Raise your hands. How many believe that God can do anything that's in His perfect will? All we have to do is be obedient. Amen? So I want to encourage you. I'm not asking you to do anything that I have not done myself, and I continue to do those things. And so praise the Lord. So won't you uh, please help us out with that? Hey, it's coming up on that time when we get back into Bible Institute. And there's going to be a, a, a new twist on it. I want you to do this. All of the 57 who completed the 1400 series last year and got your certificates, plus all the hundreds of others who matriculate during the course of a year, all of our folks online, I'd like you to do this. Read through the entire book of Genesis one more time. Then go back and read chapters 1 through 11 a second time. And then go over the six institute sessions for the 1400 series. That's 1401, 02, 03, 04, 05, 06. Review. And then review also the soul winning clinic because we want to be busy. We don't want to just learn something and put it in our head without our life showing a change, a transformation. Now, 1500 is the series for this year. And the first time we're going to meet is on September the 12th. That's a week from next Saturday, two weeks from yesterday, except we're going to do it on, on live stream. We're going to do it on live stream. How many of you are glad to hear that? We're going to do it on live stream. Now, you can be present for a live stream. We'll set up some tables. We're going to live stream from right here in the auditorium. And there will be break time. So uh, you'll, you'll be online and it'll say a few minutes, uh, be patient, we'll be online. And we'll come online and we'll teach online. 
The only thing you'll miss by being online and not by being here when I'm teaching is you'll miss the questions in between times during the break times and some of the patter that goes on, but you probably can live without that. So anyway, we're encouraging you. There is no cost, just the investment of your time. And uh, we are going to be looking at the life of Abram, Abraham and all those that he has influenced and all of the spiritual applications from then until now. And everything we know about the Middle East today goes back to Genesis chapter 12. Did you know that? Everything about the Middle East. And isn't that a hot spot? Isn't that a place that, that raises questions and causes conversations to occur? I want you to see what the Word of God says about that part of the world and uh, what's going to be happening. So study, if you would, please, the book of Genesis with us. We're going to be looking at the life of Abram and Abraham, and uh, we will be meeting six sessions. We'll be live streaming, and uh, you can go on and live stream or come and be with us. We will start at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. We will work until 6 o'clock, uh, filming on the 12th of September, session 1501. I invite everybody out there to be a part of that. Thank you. Uh, Bible Institute certainly affects a lot of people's lives and makes the difference for a lot of people. All right. You got your Bible today? I want you to do something for me. We do this quite frequently. I've got my old beat-up Bible here. It's just worn from... <laughs> I got it taped together so it doesn't fall apart. I got my new one. I'm trying to break in. It's hard to break in a new Bible. But I want you to hold up your Bible right now, if you would please, with me. And repeat this and mean it, but don't say it if you don't mean it. Don't say it at all. Here's what I'm going to say, and repeat it if you mean it. All right, here it is. I believe the Bible is the Word of God. I believe the Bible is the Word of God. I believe the Bible has no mistakes in it. I believe the Bible has no mistakes in it. And God helping me, and God helping me, I'm going to try to obey it. Amen? This is going to be a great service today. I have in my library many, 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 many books. I'm not even going to put a number on it. Uh, someday, perhaps, we'll get an exact number. But there are a number of books about the second coming of Jesus Christ. Now, His first coming has already occurred. Uh, the historic life, the, the, the birth, the, the life, the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ is beyond the realm of disputation. You can't debate it. Jesus Christ was here. His fingerprints are all over. We know that He came from heaven, where is perfection and sinlessness. He came to a sin-cursed world. And He who knew no sin became sin for you and me. He became the sin offering for us. I'm so glad He took my place. He took your place. He paid the price of our sin debt. And just as sure as His first coming is His second coming. And I could, have, I could have Cheryl share some things today. And she's embarrassed right now. I'm just saying she could share some things because she knows about the second coming. And I could have our preachers share something about the second coming. Uh, Ed, you and, and Gabe and, and Pastor and all those who have studied the book of the Revelation and all the Old Testament prophets, you could undoubtedly share something. We could be here for hours if we put our Bibles aside, and I'm not suggesting we ever do that, and we just told what we know and quoted what we can quote about the soon coming of our Savior Jesus Christ. Because He was prophesied and came the first time, 
and that's history, we can say also He will come again because that likewise has been prophesied and He promised that He would come again. Our problem is we don't think about it enough. We tend to put the second coming of Jesus Christ out of our mind for one reason or another. We don't want to be bothered. Why, don't you know I've got my shopping to do today? Fill in the blank. Don't you know that I've got to have my, not me, but you ladies, my hair done today? Don't you know I've got to run this errand today? I've got to take care of this responsibility today. I'm suggesting, I'm encouraging you to have Jesus on your mind all the time. I'm encouraging you to be thinking that at any moment He could break through the blue and we would lose our gravitation. And the Bible says the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be called up together with them to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. And we are to comfort one another with these words. Has there ever been a time in your lifetime when people needed more comfort than now? We need to comfort them. Jesus is coming and everything that's wrong, He's going to make right. Everything that's crooked, He's going to make straight. Praise the Lord, He's coming again. We need to have Jesus on our mind. We need to have heaven on our mind. There was a Puritan pastor by the name of Richard Baxter. He lived at the end of the 1600s. And he asks a question. Why are not our hearts continually set on heaven? Why dwell we not there in constant contemplation? Why aren't we thinking about heaven all the time? Bend thy soul to study eternity. Busy thyself about the life to come. Now here's a big word we don't use. Habituate thyself. Make it a habit. Habituate thyself to such contemplations and let not those thoughts be seldom and cursory. Just passing over, but bathe thyself in heaven's delights. I promise you, you're going to feel better. Your whole outlook is going to be transformed. If we're thinking about heaven, if we're thinking about Jesus, Jesus is coming again. Now he goes on to point out four benefits of thinking about heaven. You can mark these down. If you're a note taker, put this down. This is Richard Baxter, one of the Puritan divines, they call him. Baxter says, it protects us from temptation because it keeps the heart focused on what pleases God. So if you're thinking about what's pleasing God, you're not going to be likely tempted to sin at that time. Number two, it maintains the vigor of the Christian life. It keeps us working, keeps us going. Praise the Lord. Number three, it provides medicine for our afflictions, cheering our spirits and easing our suffering. It's a wonderful comfort to think about Jesus coming again. And here it is. Number four, here it is. And it makes us an encouragement to other believers. I'm glad that we have that potential to be an encourager to somebody else. Back in 1969, a country gospel group pulled out an old song that had been written 30 years before by R.E. Winsett. And you're going to hear that song before we go home today. A song that is an encouragement about the Lord Jesus Christ coming soon. Oh, we're in the midst of what the song calls troublesome times are here. And there are people whose hearts are failing them for fear. Jesus said that would be typical of these times. But then again, there are those people who have their doubts 
that Jesus ever coming again. And in respect to future events, a question is frequently asked by both believers and unbelievers alike. Would you turn with me back to 2 Peter? Keep in mind that the second coming of Jesus Christ is in two parts. First of all, He is going to come suddenly and soon without warning. And He is going to take all those who have truly trusted Him to be with Himself. Those who have died, their bodies will be raised, their spirits, souls will come back into their bodies, they'll have a glorified transformation, they'll have a glorified body like unto Christ. And then those of us who are alive, as I have quoted, and remain here on earth, why, we're going to lose our gravitation, and in that instant, we're going to be transformed as well. And so I'm not going to have arthritis anymore. I won't have difficulty, you know, hitting the cord or hitting the cord like I do now with all the aches and the pains and the joints and so forth. I don't complain about it, but it is a constant companion of mine. It is a reminder that heaven is better than this. Amen. Oh, what joy and bliss. Amen. All right, we're in 2 Peter. 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 4. And this, of course, reminds us that Jesus not only is going to come again, first of all, for us, then we're going to come with Him at the battle of Armageddon at the end of the Great Tribulation, and we will rule and reign with Jesus Christ a thousand years upon the earth. In 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 4, here's the question in the saying, Where is the promise of His coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. That is a false assumption. It's called uniformitarianism. That's a big word, preacher. Uniformitarianism. Uniformitarianism is the false view that there has never been any great uh, interrupting event in human history. Everything is the same. And that is why all the strata that, that show developments and so forth, it's over the millions and millions and millions of year, years. And my answer to that is phooey. Because the evidence, the fossil evidence, and what we have under our feet and all around us uh, is much, much better explained by creationism by the fact that about 6,000 years ago, God created everything in 24-hour days. And then, about 5,000 years ago, because of man's sin and lack of repentance, one family was saved in an ark, and everybody else perished. The world that was then perished in a worldwide flood. And that's why evolution and scientism, which is science falsely so-called, cannot explain why in the desert... At 5,000 feet, you can find the fossils of sea creatures because there was a worldwide flood. So uniformitarianism says things have continued from the beginning. There hasn't been any interruption. Yes, there has. For this they willingly are ignorant of, that by the word of God the heavens were of old and the earth standing out of the water and in the water, whereby the world that then was being overflowed with water perished. But the heavens and the earth which are now by the same word are kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. But beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some men count slackness, but is longsuffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Repentance is a change of mind that affects the heart, 
change of heart that affects the direction, a change of a different direction, going a different direction, repentance, repentance. Jesus said, except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. People don't want to talk about things that come out of the Bible because they bring conviction. They focus upon our need of a Savior. An individual would like to think that he or she is self-sufficient without God. We don't need God. God is just you know, something, someone nice that people made up to feel good. But they don't want the Word of God. And so we, uh, as believers, the salt and the light in this world need to continually remind them that Jesus is coming again. The flood evidence is everywhere. Alexander <coughs> McLaren touches on this with an example from Ezekiel chapter 12 and verse 27, where the people in captivity doubted the prophecy concerning the imminent destruction of Jerusalem. Now, they were, they were over in, uh, in captivity. They were taken from Jerusalem. And when the prophecy reached them that Jerusalem would be destroyed, we have this in Ezekiel 12, 27. The vision that, that he seeth is for many days to come, and he prophesieth of the times that are far off. Hmm. What are they saying? They're saying, that's, that's not going to happen anytime soon. That's not going to happen in my lifetime. As I mentioned before, to the folks that were assembled for Sunday school, Corey Ten Boom and other writers have reminded us that even though we as believers who are going to be raptured out of this world will, will not go through many of the things that those who are under the wrath of God will go through, we still, like our brothers and sisters in other parts of the world, are subject to small t, not capital T, but small t tribulation. We are still subject to persecution. All who will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. You may not like that. I may not like that. My flesh doesn't desire that. But we don't know what's going to happen between now and when the Lord comes and raptures us from this world. I would say to you, be patient. Don't treat God's revealed word through the lens of your own feelings or emotions or what you see in the world around us. Don't, don't look at things according to the ebb and the tide and the flow of world events, the trends in the news, and so on and so forth. What I've told you before, I tell you again, turn off the bad news and tune into the good news. There are obvious telltale signs of the course of this entire age. That's what you read about when you read in, say, for example, Matthew chapter 25, chapter 24, 2 Timothy chapter 3. There, there's that mystery of iniquity. There are those trends that have been occurring from the time of the apostles to the present time. These are last days uh, trends and experiences. And while it is worse and worse and accelerating all the time, only the Lord knows when He comes again. And when he says to the son, go get my children, that's when we'll be raptured out of this world. I don't know when that is. No man knoweth the day nor the hour when the Son of Man cometh. So we need to be prepared. We need to be telling others. We need to be rejoicing in the coming of the Lord. The passage of Scripture that we consider to be the classic passage of Scripture about the rapture is found over there in uh, 1 Thessalonians. Let's turn there, please. 1 Thessalonians and chapter number 4. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. 
On the front of your bulletin is what the men in white said to the disciples as they stood there on the Mount of Ascension, this same Jesus which is taken up from you into heaven shall so come in like manner as ye have seen Him go into heaven. We are reassured then that there's not going to be a different Jesus, but the same Jesus. And we know that He is going to come as He went. He is going to come bodily. He is going to come visibly. There are those people who say, well, the, the coming of the Lord is just a spiritualization, that, that when you die, the Lord comes from you, for you. And yes, He does come for us. But that's not the second coming of Jesus Christ. It is not some, some uh, spiritual uh, movement that occurs in the world. That is not the second coming of Jesus Christ. But as He went into heaven, likewise, He will come from heaven as the Scriptures record. I'm in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13. But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren. Now, brethren refers to saved people. This is a message of hope for saved people. It's a message of warning for people who have not yet been saved. I would not have you to be ignorant or unlearned or uneducated on this point. Concerning them which are asleep, when a person dies, their body is asleep in the grave. Not their spirit, not their soul, as some cults teach, but rather their body is asleep in the grave. That ye sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. I've, I've been to funerals recently. I've conducted uh, many, many, many funerals over the course of our uh, decades of ministry. And I know there is sorrow. But the scripture says, even though we sorrow, we don't sorrow as those who have no hope. People who have no hope, they weep and they wail because they don't have any assurance they'll ever see those people again. But when the dear saint of God passes from this life, their body is, is here. Their remains are here. But they are gone to be uh, absent from the bodies, to be present with the Lord. And so what we are burying and showing honor to is all that we can bury and show honor to because the person is gone. It's just their house that they lived in. And so we say things about them and we say things to comfort those who uh, are mourning the dearly departed and talk about the person's God. We talk about Jesus Christ. We talk about salvation and how sweet it is to be saved and to know that you're going to heaven and what wonderful assurance that is and how you don't have to be afraid of death. And then when we get through, something's going to happen. If I outlive you, you make sure you put in your notes that Brother Winnegar preaches your funeral. If I outlive you, you make sure. Because I promise you, my hand's on the Bible. I always give the plan of salvation. I always walk them through it. I always help people to receive Christ as Savior. And at people's memorial services, more folks come to God through Christ than have come to God through Christ in most of those people's lives. They get saved because it's a time when, when there is an opportunity, an open door. And so we sorrow, but not as those which have no hope. Verse 14, For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, how many of you believe that? Say amen. We do, alright. So if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with Him. He'll bring the souls and spirits of those who have died in Christ. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive remain, that's us right now, unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent. Everybody look this way. That's a good 1611 word. Prevent. The vent is from the Latin, which means to go. Pre, before. 
to go before. So what it's saying is, as it was used in 1611, all right, we will not go before them which are asleep. The living don't go first. Those who have died, their bodies come up out of the graves. And we were just talking about it, weren't we, Madam? When we were practicing the other night, she and I and Gwendolyn, we were around the piano. We were singing some wonderful music about the Lord Jesus and going to be with Him. And, uh, and she said, man, I want, to, I want to be in that place. I want to be in the cemetery on that day. Because those graves are going to tear up. They're going to rip up. How many of you got some loved ones coming up out of the ground on that day? Come on. Amen. Anybody who's died in the Lord, they've died saved. Their body's in the ground. And when that trumpet sounds and the voice of the archangel is heard, up they come out of the ground. Boom. And as they come up, their body is changed and they're changed like into that glorified state of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then we join them and we go up. How many of you have recurring dreams? Okay, I just, I just want to say, one of the recurring dreams I have, and it's perfectly all right, but it's, I, I, I lose my gravitation. All right? And, and so, Michael Jordan is guarding me. We're doing a little one-on-one. -on -one. And I go up, and he goes, and Michael goes up. And you know, when he stretches out, there's like, you know, nine feet of person right there. And, and, I, and I'm up there in the air, and I'm watching as Michael goes up and Michael comes down. And I just, ding, it's like that. Lose my gravitation. Now, that's just a silly dream. But someday, we're going to lose our gravitation. We're out of here. We'll leave this old world behind us. Praise the Lord for that. All right? So, they're not going, the dead are not going to... Uh, we're not going to go before them. They're going to prevent. They're going to go before us. For the Lord Himself shall descend from heaven with a shout. This same Jesus. And with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain, as we read, shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Now here it is. Wherefore comfort one another with these words. We need to be talking about heaven. We need to be talking about going to heaven. We need to be talking about the rapture. Some doubt that Jesus Christ will really come again, but my Bible says that He is. And as Horatius Bonar uh, often said, perhaps today, Lord, perhaps today. It may be soon. If He should call me, this I know. I'm safe and ready now to go. I'm waiting with my heart glow. It won't be long. It may be soon. I'm looking forward to what the Bible speaks of. One-fourth of the Bible is predictive prophecy. Just think about that. One-fourth. For every verse on the first coming of Jesus Christ, there are eight about the second coming of Jesus Christ. So we need an attitude adjustment today. And that attitude adjustment is predicated upon all these wonderful scriptures, eight times as much scripture about the second coming of Jesus as the first coming of Jesus. And we need to get... Our, our minds, our thoughts focused on heaven, not on the things of this world. Get our eyes up, looking and longing and loving His appearance. The rapture is a Bible fact. Now, the word rapture itself does not appear in the Bible, but the, the words that do appear indicate 
a, uh, almost a violent act of taking out of, of removing from, and that's the description, that's the, the verbal description of the rapture, the, the snatching away, the catching away. That's what we're talking about. And why would we need that? When you think about those heavenly visitors who came to Sodom and they visited with Lot and his family to warn them of the impending doom, to get them out of Sodom before all of the destruction fell on Sodom. And how they laughed at Lot. They laughed him to scorn. And this is the picture of the Christian today who hasn't been busy about his father's business. This is the picture of the Christian today who has not occupied till Jesus comes. This is the picture of the Christian today who doesn't talk about the second coming of Jesus Christ because he or she is afraid everyone will think that they're nuts. We need to be talking about Jesus. We need to be telling people He's coming again. And you don't want to be left behind. When Lot and his wife and his two daughters were brought out of Sodom before the fire and the brimstone fell and the, the remnants of that are to be found now. You can see the bitumen. You can see the tar. You can see where that once was. As they were being brought out, the Bible says that Lot... He was heading on out, but Lot's wife turned and looked at Sodom. And someone has wisely said that her eyes only went where her heart was. What a picture. She turned to a pillar of salt. And there are throughout that region these pillars of salt. And she turned to a pillar of salt. Think about that. Think about that. Dr. DeHaan said, it was not nearly so hard to get Lot out of Sodom as it was to get Sodom out of Lot. Are you thinking with me today? Are you on the same page? What I'm saying is, we've been in this world so long. We're not supposed to be of it. We're in the world, but we're not supposed to be of it. But there's, there's some of that on us. Up at the parsonage, we have some beautiful hedges that were planted by Brother George. Brother George is recuperating from his medical procedure even now. God bless you, George and Young. But uh, those bushes have grown up, and they present themselves as wonderful delicacies for nighttime visitors. We have deer. Sometimes as many as 20-some deer have come through the yard. And they like to feast on all the greenery that's there. So they make a product down at the hardware store, it smells like somebody or something died. And it's in a spray bottle. Now, it's very important when you apply this that the wind is not blowing any direction. And so I go out there periodically. When we have been nibbling, my sweet wife will say, sweetheart. <laughs> and she reminds me that it's time to get out there and apply that smelly stuff. Now, I don't know how any deer could ever partake of that after the application. Some of them have attempted it. But I get out there and I spray that down. I get that all sprayed down. And when I come in, the first thing I have to do is shed everything that I've been wearing and hop in a hot shower because, you know, I bring a little bit of it with me. 
And that's what we do when we come in out of the world. When we came in today, we didn't want to. We didn't mean to. We brought a little bit with us, didn't we? We've been out there in the world, haven't we? Now you've been praying and you've been confessing and you've been, you know, we've been trying to, to be as right and walk as straight as we possibly can by the grace of God, but we still bring a little of it with us. We need to be diligent in this particular area because this lost and dying world doesn't need a crew of Christians that smells like them, that looks like them, that acts like them, that talks like them. They need somebody who's had the transforming grace and power of God in their life to such a degree people stand back when choices and decisions are made in the face of challenges and they say, you know what? I've never seen anything like that. Who are they? What planet are they from? How can they be that way? How can they comport themselves that way in the face of all of this? We need to have the, the proper deportment, the proper attitude toward the return of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. It says in Hebrews 9, chapter 9, verses 26, 27, and 28, For then must he often have suffered since the foundation of the world, but now once in the end of the world hath he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself, and as it is appointed to men once to die, but after this the judgment. So Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many, and unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. In the scripture that we have read in 1 Thessalonians, we have a borrowed outline that has been preached by many a young preacher fresh out of homiletics class. In verse 13 of 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, we have the reason for the writing. In verse 14, we have the return of the Lord. In verse 15, we have remnant and the dead in Christ. In verse 16, we have the resurrection of the dead. In verse 17, the first part, we have the rapture of the righteous. In verse 17, the second part, the reunion with the saints whose body are, are asleep. And in verse 18, the reassurance or the comfort of the believers. That's what I'm telling you today. What I'm telling you today is we have God's Word on it. You can trust your King James Bible to be true. You can trust God to keep His Word. Jesus is coming again. And our attitude and our behavior ought to reflect our own preparedness, our readiness for the coming of the Lord. And we ought to anxiously and lovingly share with others this one fact, that without Jesus, you won't make heaven. Without Jesus, you'll split hell wide open like a rock through a spider web. Without Jesus, there is nothing to look forward to but eternal anguish in the lake of fire because all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Now that's the bad news. There's no religion. There's no self-righteousness. There are no good works. There are no rituals that can ever take care of our sin debt. But that's already been done by Jesus Christ. He came, He lived, He died upon the cross. He was buried. He rose from the dead. And right now, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Wouldn't you like to settle that today? Wouldn't you like your loved ones to settle that today? Why, this might be the day. This might be the hour. This might be the moment when the trumpet sounds. And suddenly we're gone. I've seen it dramatically enacted. And just seeing it enacted is a shock enough. Can you imagine when it does happen? We're seated here. I'm preaching, my mouth is open, a word is coming out, and there is a bang!
and you look around. And there's a Bible and a pile of clothes right there. Yes. Brother Harps has gone yes, home. Yes. The same for Sister Harps. She's gone home. Same for Sister Gwendolyn. Same for the preacher. How about for you? How about for you? How about it? But sadly, some will be watching, not going. And you're the ones. You're the ones today that you need to be concerned about. If you're already saved, the other ones are the ones we need to be concerned about. That they would come to Jesus Christ. It's more important than anything else. Need to have Jesus on the mind. Need to have heaven on the mind. Is Jesus on your mind constantly? Is heaven on your mind? Is the second coming of Jesus Christ on your mind? Would you bow your heads and close your eyes, please? Every head bowed. Every eye closed. Nobody looking. How many of you today would say, Preacher, something in that message spoke to my heart. Slip your hand up high. Something spoke to my heart. Yes. God bless you. God bless you. In just a moment, we're going to sing a hymn of invitation and I invite you if the Spirit of God has spoken to you to come from where you are. Maybe you're thinking about your loved ones who are going to come up out of the ground at the rapture because they've received Christ as Savior during their lifetime. Right now their spirit, their soul is with the Lord, but they're going to have a glorified body. Maybe you're thinking about your own change, the glorification that's going to take place when we're caught up and we lose our gravitation. Maybe you're thinking about that and you just want to pray and have some time with the Lord. Maybe there's some concerns in your life, maybe some concerns for yourself or for others right now, and uh, you'd like to come down here to the front, have a word of prayer. I don't know what it is that would motivate you to come, but if you have a desire to slip out and come down on the invitation, then I want to urge you to do so. Maybe you've been saved, but you've never been scripturally baptized, and you'd like to come and say, I want to come forward today, present myself for baptism to identify with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. I want to become a part of this church. Maybe you've been baptized and you want to become a part of this church and you'd like to identify with the people of God here at Central Baptist. Maybe you'd like to come and pray about uh, rededicating your life to a greater uh, experience in soul winning and, and uh, reaching more souls with the gospel. I don't know. Maybe God's speaking to your heart about full-time Christian service. I don't know. But if you want to come at the invitation, I urge you to do so. Right now, online, the invitation is being given to those who are watching. And I want to give that same invitation to you. If you do not know for sure that heaven is your home, you're not 100% positive that if you die now, that you'd go to heaven. The Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The wages of our sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Would you be saved right now? Would you have a desire right now to call upon the name of the Lord? With heads bowed and eyes closed, would you do this? Everyone, heads bowed, eyes closed. If you've never prayed to receive Christ as your Savior, or you're not sure that you've done that, then pray right now silently from your heart something like this to God and mean it. Dear God, dear God, I admit that I'm a sinner. I admit that I'm a sinner. I deserve to pay for my sins. I deserve to pay for my sins. I believe Jesus died to save me. I believe Jesus died to save me. Right now, I receive the Lord Jesus Christ into my heart as my personal Savior. Right now, I receive the Lord Jesus Christ into my heart as my personal Savior. Please take away my sins. Please take away my sins. And take me to heaven when I die. And take me to heaven when I die. Every head is bowed. Every eye is closed. Please, no one's looking. 
If you prayed that prayer from your heart just now. Troublesome time.